If you guys don't know, we have our meetings before service, and Kim always, or a lot of times, will throw down a challenge for Mark, and that one was $5? Five bucks. Five bucks, and he wanted to do it also to embarrass his grandkids. How did he do? Yeah? <laughs> so, well done, Mark. You might see Marky Mark reappear here and there, so... So it's, yeah, he's coming out with a CD coming up soon, right? Yes. Yeah, so um, I have a few announcements. The first one is a praise report from last week. If you missed it, we broke out the slip and slide. Um, Tina's in prison, but not really. They're going through a series right now, so that's part of this series. But we, had, we broke out the slip and slide, got the sprinklers going. It was just a great time to fellowship afterwards, and we will be having water days to come soon because it's just a great time to cool down together. Um, also, today, right after service, it's, just a, it's going to be a great privilege. We're going to be doing baptisms. So there's, we're, we're doing three baptisms. One's going to be Amber, Betty's um, granddaughter. <laughs> and also, too, I know she didn't want me to talk about her, but I'm going to. Because we are, I mean, what God has done in this woman's life is just absolutely amazing. Today is her seventh year of cleaning, cleaning sober. So, <laughs> so you got me choked up too, Amber. I've been part of this family for so long, and it's just, it's just a great celebration to see that. Now she's just springboarding the further in her life, and it's just great to see her following Jesus and showing her kids and her grandkids. She's a grandma, can you believe it? Um, so what that looks like, but thank you, Amber. And also, Eli and Caleb... Walker are getting baptized by their dad. So it's just a great, a great celebration of baptism. You know, baptism, you know, it's not a thing of salvation, but it is a command from Jesus. And we want to be following Jesus because Jesus got baptized by John the Baptist. It's just a way to follow Jesus and just commit and really just let people know how your faith is and how you want to walk with Jesus. So Come and join us immediately after. The spa is at 90 degrees, so it's not going to be cold at all. Sorry if it's too warm for you. But then um, today at 2 o'clock, to skip to the next one, we're going to Triple C, which is the Continuing Care Center, at 2 o'clock. Uh, we'll probably meet out in the front about 145. If you don't know where it's at, it's behind Ojai Hospital. It's their new facility, and if you haven't been there, it's really, really nice. And this is a great way to celebrate um, with them, because it, it's their church coming in, and they also, um, they watch us every Sunday, so right now, hi, Triple C, they can see us, because they, they stream us, so, but we were going to do a, um, a little worship there, and I got convinced that I had rhythm, so I'm going to actually be on that, what's it called, the cajon, in the box, and Richie's going to be playing the guitar, so if you just want a good laugh, just come, and just watch us, but it's also just a great way to love on people and stuff, it's just going to be a a great afternoon there. That's at 2 o'clock, but we're meeting at 1.45. So, Christine, are you doing that? You're doing it. Okay. Thank you, Christine. <laughs> Hi. I'm good. No, I'm not doing it. I'm not going there. You know, the rap I can handle, barely. Um, so just a few other reminders. Uh, there is a women's card-making workshop coming up on 
the 12th of August. Um, you can see the information on the screen. Uh, you're signed up when you pay. Christine is going to be at the welcome cart after the service today with the sign-up sheet. If you haven't had a chance to sign up and you'd like to go, you can see Christine after service. Um, the next announcement is just that youth events are on hold temporarily, and I think we all know why. Shiloh is about to pop, and uh, Jordan's just kind of uh, focused on the right things, which is his wife and his daughter, whose name is... Oh, okay. I, I keep trying. I, I'm trying to find out what that is, but it, it's not working. Uh, but so, yeah, youth events just for the time being are going to be on hold. You'll hear more about that as, uh, as that unfolds. And lastly, uh, there's going to be a memorial for our sister Sharon One, and that is going to be on August 5th here at 2 p.m. And we certainly invite all of you uh, who knew Sharon and Alan and uh, come and celebrate her life. Well, good morning. Or I should say, uh, Habadi. Habadi, right? Uh, if you didn't know, if you're visiting for the first time, I, I've been uh, out of country for a couple of weeks, uh, visiting our grandkids and daughter and son-in-law in Kapsawar, Kenya. And Habadi is a common uh, word for greeting. If you see someone on the street, you say Habadi, and the response is Nzuri. And uh, so, you know, you get there for two weeks and suddenly you, you pick up on two words, right? So there's Habadi and Asante is thank you and Asante Sana is thank you very much. And so, you know, you get that and you're feeling kind of like a local, right, Mark? Like, hey, Habadi, Habadi. You're like, ah, I'm in. But it, it is good to be back. It, you know, we, we traveled and we're going to share a little bit about that. We went to Kenya and, uh, you know, if you don't know where Kenya is on the African continent, it's over there on the, the left side of the screen. There's Kenya. And uh, we went to kind of a, they live in Kapsawar, which is just north of the one on the right, Eldoret. And uh, by vehicle, it's about six hours north of Nairobi. And uh, we were there for two weeks. And, uh, you know, God did some wonderful things, not just the events of visiting. I know people ask, well, how was it? And, and you know, we share pictures and everything. But really what I want to share with you is, is really what God did uh, really in my own heart and in my own walk with him. You know, I've been in ministry 30 years and walking with the Lord a little longer than that. And uh, really, this trip was what uh, Jordan did such a good job last Sunday. It was a stone of remembrance. And, and this trip was really a stone of remembrance for me. And, uh, you know, Jordan, I, I, I listened to the, the message, and he did a really good job out of Joshua 4, uh, really talking about the importance of remembering of reflecting, of ruminating, you know, that word, of what God has done in your life, in your walk with him. How many here this morning could really say, you know what, I remember. I have, I have a, maybe a, a, a pile of stones of remembrance. Amen? All right? And, and Jordan brought us back because it's really easy to forget. The busyness of life and maybe things get really good for a while. And, you know, honestly, we get complacent. We can just sort of take things for granted, even our walk with the Lord. And these stones of remembrance that were once really, you know, kind of really exciting and, and stirred us, you know, now I kind of I liken it, you know, maybe they're like high school yearbooks, right? And if we're not careful, we look back in a high school yearbook with nostalgia and maybe brings back a smile on your face, and you're like, oh, I remember that, and oh, I remember that person, and you flip the pages, and they show the campus scenes, you're like, oh, that's where we used to eat lunch, and you know, and it's kind of in the distant past, it's nostalgia, and it's some good, feel-good moments, 
But somehow, it's just there. And it doesn't really impact us today. And I really want to share, and, and I talked to Jordan and I shared this morning, that we're going to camp on this idea of stones of remembrance because in your walk with the Lord, these stones of remembrance are not just supposed to be nostalgia. They're not supposed to be in your Christian yearbook where every once in a while you take them out and you remember what God did, sort of with the smile on your face, and those were the good old days. Because really, these stones of remembrance are supposed to be springboards forward. These stones of remembrance are supposed to inspire us. They're supposed to excite us. They're supposed to fill us with this enthusiasm. It's like, I got to keep going. I got to keep going. And I wonder if I were to ask you, and just, just think, what is your most recent stone of remembrance? Because I think sometimes after a while, unfortunately, as a believer, if you walk with Jesus and your life kind of gets comfortable and you kind of clean it up a little bit and you're a good moral person now, you might slide into cruise control. And now you're living a comfortable Christian, good moral life, maybe involved in the church, serving and all of that. But you're not looking for stones of remembrance anymore. In terms of God giving you a new one. So when was your last stone of remembrance? What is the last thing in your life as you sit here? How long ago was it that you like celebrated something God is doing in your life? Something God did. And you're like, only God could have done that. And you're like, yes. Right? Because this walk of faith, Jesus, came, Jesus said, I came that you may have joy and have it abundantly. Right? And, and sometimes we forget the adventure of following Jesus. And we begin over time to just define our Christian walk in terms of do's and don'ts and good morality and avoiding certain things and, you know, doing certain things. And, and suddenly, rather than this joyful, exciting, enthusiastic adventure with following Jesus, it's just religion all over again. Right? And we're more focused on externals than this incredible supernatural relationship we have with the God of the universe. Right? You often hear me say that, that your walk with the Lord is supernatural. I mean, the Bible says, if you are a believer in Jesus, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, indwells you at this very moment. You are indwelt by the third person of the Godhead. Given everything you need for life and godliness. Your name is written in the book of life. And so, what do we do with all that? We're like, yes, yes, yes. Oh, okay. The stones of remembrance, the thing that God has brought you through that you remember should be exciting to you to look forward. They should be launching pads. They should, you should stand on that stone and jump to the next one. Anyone ever try to cross a stream hopping on the rocks? Right? One is supposed to springboard you to the next one. And that's what I want to share with you today. Right? Because if the stones of remembrance, it's not just the event itself. Well, God got me through this. Or God did this. You got to look one layer below the actual event and circumstance and say, what did I learn about God? 
What did God teach me about him that fires me up to take that forward, right? In Joshua 4, I think Jordan read this last Sunday. He said this, For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for, uh, up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. And so this crossing of the Jordan wasn't just a stone of remembrance where, where you said, okay, hey, you remember that time when God did that thing at the Jordan and he dried it up, he stopped the water, and you remember that event? No, the whole point of that stone of remembrance is what? That you may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. That you may fear the Lord your God forever. So this crossing of the Jordan wasn't just this event. It had to do with the nature of God. And so as you remember the stones of remembrance in your life, what you need to do is say, okay, God provided. Okay, maybe God provided. How many of you have ever had a God, God provided moment, right? Okay, what did that teach you? God's faithfulness. God is faithful. God has abundant resources. You see the difference? Between just remembering that he provided and actually using that event to know, know him better. These events, these stones of remembrance are so that we get to know our Father, our God better. So that as we move forward, we move forward in greater confidence and victory and joy. Amen? It's a build. It's a build. Okay? These aren't just Polaroid snapshots that we tuck away and look at once in a while in our Christian yearbook nostalgically. We're supposed to be like stacking them up and going. Okay? And that's what we're going to look at today. And like I said, you know, this last trip, we were in uh, Kenya for two weeks, and it, and it really was a stone of remembrance. And I want to come back, and we're going to look at Joshua 3. Last week, Jordan looked at Joshua 4. And, and Joshua 3... The Israelites, you know, they, they're coming to the conclusion of their 40-year wandering in the wilderness. Some estimates between one and three million of them, okay? Men, women, children, and all their cattle. And they've come to the Jordan River, and they camp there for three days. Okay, Joshua 3.1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out, and that's pronounced Shittah. And they came to the Jordan. He and all the people of Israel lodged there before they passed over. Okay. So they've been wandering, they get to the Jordan River. Now, verse 15, we're going to see, tells us that at this time of the year, the Jordan River was in flood mode, okay? The snows from Mount Hermon were melting, and the Jordan River now went from about 100 feet, some people estimate 100 feet in width, to almost a mile wide, okay? And this thing is raging, this thing is raging, and the Israelites are camped there, for three days. And on the other side of the Jordan is the promised land. Okay? So imagine this. Wandering for 40 years, you come to the edge of the Jordan, flood stage, it's roaring, it's raging, other side is promised land, and you're there and you're like, okay, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? They had three days to ponder this huge obstacle in front of them. And in verse 4, we're going to see it says, uh, Joshua says, you have not passed this way before. This is uncharted territory. All right? This is the unknown. 
So just put yourself right there a moment, and then we're going to make it real. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes when I have too much time to ponder a problem, it's not very good. Anyone? You come up to this obstacle, whether it's financial, relational, spiritual, and all you can tend to focus on is the obstacle. And all the problems, right? So what are we going to do to cross this Jordan? We're going to build boats, can't build boats, can't swim, right? And how many of you ever focused on an obstacle and it just got bigger and bigger in your mind? And that affected your emotions. It affected your enthusiasm. And suddenly this thing was maybe this big. Now it's Goliath in front of you, right? So three days to ponder. They're camped by the Jordan Probably wondering, how is Joshua going to get us across this huge problem, right? And it's a setup because for us in 2023, I think many of you might be on the verge of a Jordan crossing. And my prayer for you this morning, whether you're at home, is God will speak to you. Because I think some of you might have been camped much longer than three days, with an issue in your life. I think some of you might be camped three weeks, three months, three years with something. And you know you got to get to the other side. But for all this time, you've been focusing on the raging water. Maybe you've become discouraged. Maybe you're depressed. Maybe sense of hopelessness because it just seems insurmountable. This... 100-foot river went to a mile wide, and it's raging because it's flood season. And so my prayer for you this morning, if you're camped there, that God would speak to you. And that, as the title of the message is today, that today you'll be willing to get your feet wet. And you'll know what that means in just a little bit. Okay? So I shared with you that, that even coming back, we arrived Tuesday night at LAX, that this trip to Kenya really was a stone of remembrance for me, and really God stretched me in some ways, uh, kind of my personality, but also experiences in my life growing up that really got even triggered, if you want to use that word, triggered, uh, and we, as we prepared for the, the uh, trip, and even while we were on it, right? It was constant. And uh, there's a picture I took. Uh, we flew Emirates, and they have this uh, screen in front of you, and you, know, you could see where your plane is, Right? And so uh, on the way back, this is a shot from the way back. Uh, I don't know if you can notice, but this is the globe. This is a real-time shot. And on the, what would be 3 o'clock to your time is a city, Dubai. You guys know Dubai. Far left at uh, 9 o'clock is Los Angeles. And at 12 o'clock is our airplane. And right on, it's flying right above the North Pole. And we flew. That was the same path we took both ways. It was like a 16-hour flight from Dubai to Los Angeles, and we went over the North Pole. We, we took off from Dubai, went over Iran, and then went through the middle of Russia, right over North Pole and down the West Coast, right? And, you know, as I prep for it, it's been almost 20 years since I flew internationally, and so we're dealing with all the preparations. Uh, but there's a part of me that likes to be prepared you know, I'm the organizer. I've organized youth trips, camp trips. So there's a part of me that's like, doesn't like surprises. How many of you don't care for surprises on a trip? You know, you're kind of like, like to be a little bit in control. At least, you know, you can't plan for everything, but as a whole, right? 
And so, you know, I'm hearing about this. So there's a 16 hours to Dubai. And then from Dubai to Nairobi was another five-hour flight, right? And so I'm thinking about 20 hours in the air. And that picture right there, you know, when we were a little bit over, over the North Pole, we were at 38,000 feet. 38,000 feet, right? And, you know, as a dad, as a husband, even just as, as a guy, you know, there's, you, you might have this tendency to think about all the what-ifs. All the kind of what-ifs that might happen on this wonderful journey to see the grandkids, right? Now, 16 hours in a plane, that's just a long time, right? That's just, imagine if I told you we're going to have a 16-hour service. Peace out, you know, I ain't sitting for 16 hours. Well, 16 hours like this, right? You know, great food, though. You know, Emirates does it right. But 16 hours, right? And, and so you're dealing with discomfort. You're dealing with, you know, again, the mental side of it. You know, and, and again, it was, it was pretty smooth, but I don't, you, so many of you have flown, right? 38,000 feet over the North Pole. Everything's kind of fine until the plane goes, right? And you're like, okay, you know, just a little bump. And then it keeps doing it, and then the fastened seatbelt signs come on. And the, you know, the captain says, oh, we're going to be hitting some turbulence, you know, fasten your seatbelts. You can't use the bathroom until further notice, you know. And you're like... Okay, what do you do with that? Right? What do you do with that? And, and there's decisions that have to be made in those moments where you realize, I'm out of control right here. I, like, have zero control over what's happening in my life right now. I am trusting the crew that's driving this thing, right, that's flying this thing, and I'm trusting this thing. You know, and, and things start to go through your mind. And, and you realize that in our life, and, and I shared my, with my wife, you know, part of the thing that God was really challenging me with and trying to be organized, trying to be a good steward of things, raise a family thing. Most of my life has been geared toward comfort and control and security. Elimination of risk. Knowing all contingencies, right? You, so, so in many ways, we're blessed in this country, either material or financially, that we work towards comfort and security, and we don't want to be taken by surprise, and we want to have everything in place just in case, right? And you go on this 20-hour flight, this 16-hour flight over the North Pole, and you go like, I am like entering my no-go zone. This is like opposed to what I have been raised to do, like I was not raised to put my life in the hands of a crew that I don't even see. It's just a voice, right? It's just a voice. You're assuming it's a real pilot who's welcoming you. I didn't see him. I didn't see him, right? You're hoping that the maintenance crew did their job. You're hoping that everything is good to go and the weather is going to be somewhat fine, right? And so you go out on on these trips and you're like, Lord... I didn't realize how much of my life is wired around comfort and control and security until you're in a situation where you're not. And then at those moments in life, even as, again, walking with the Lord 30-plus years in ministry of thirsters, you start to reassess your theology. Like, do I really believe? What do I, what do I really believe here? You know? And, and, you know, statistically... 
you know, airplane flying is really safe and all that. But, you know, every once in a while, and so you hit turbulence and it gets you thinking. You know, even before the, even before the flight, I was like, well, you know, I should probably do something. I used to work for uh, Geico way back in the 90s, and they have um, insurance. I worked with the military uh, quite a bit. And I remember I did customer service, and it was during one of those times on the, uh, in the uh, Middle East when there was a flare-up. I got a call from a soldier, and uh, yeah, yeah, I'm being deployed, and they just told me to put my affairs in order. So he was taking care of his car, car insurance and all this, putting it in storage because he was going to be deployed, and they had been ordered to put their affairs in order. And I'm like, okay, so we're about thinking about this trip, and we've got to be in the air, and we're going to be in this foreign country. And so, you know, I'm thinking, oh, maybe I should put some affairs in order just in case, you know. So I do a little stewardship, take care of some things, talk to one of my daughters. Hey, here's a deal. Here's where this is. Here's where this is just in case type of stuff, right? Because that's reality, but even in the church, we don't want to deal with sometimes with reality of life. Right? Because we're very blessed in this country and everything's good. Right? And then you get 40,000 feet in the air and you hit some turbulence and the fasten the seatbelt thing, some of you're like, suddenly you're like, man, this is like kind of real deal here. You know? And, and so really for me, this, this was a, a journey of uh, not just the flight, but then you get to... Uh, Dubai, we had to lay over in Dubai, then we flew to Nairobi, and you had to navigate customs, and you have to navigate travel and language barriers and all this kind of stuff. And it really was two weeks of me really being challenged at, at really a core level of just releasing and, and being way out of control of a lot of things, right? And, and I share that with you because sometimes... God has to take us into these situations where these things get revealed and identified because they can actually be hindering our walk with him. Right? And it can be very subtle. It's not like you intended to do it. But right now, I'm going to guess that many of you here, many of you at home, because we live in the United States, there's a pretty good level of comfort and control that we have and things that, we're, that give us security that we're not aware of until you either leave the country or you're in a situation in an airplane and you realize, I got zero control right now. I got zero control over what's going to happen, you know? And, and so it's kind of like, you know, you start, and if you're not careful, you get into your head and you start pondering these things. And then at that moment, you have to really choose. You have to say, stop. You know, there, there were several times on this trip where I had to say, stop. Where are you going to choose to put your mind right now? Where are you going to choose to put your mind? Uh, we were blessed. My son-in-law uh, surprised us like we got to Nairobi late at night, and we spent the night. And the next morning, I thought we were flying uh, to see, see the kids, the grandkids. But my son-in-law surprised us with uh, a six-hour drive <laughs> to a safari. One, I guess I didn't know. One of the best world-renowned safari places. Six hours. Surprise! Like, literally, I did not know this was happening. And my wife kept saying, you're doing so good. You're doing, you're doing so good right now. Because I'm like, I'm like, what are we doing? Yeah, we're, you know, we're going on this safari. And I'm like, well, how long is it going to take? I don't know, five or six hours? And I'm like, okay. You know, and the last hour or two was on a dirt road with like every rock 
in Africa must have been on this dirt road because it was like we're just like converted this land cruiser thing and it's like going up shelf road after it rains it's like oh my gosh right and we get there and I'm like great surprise no it was great we saw the animals you know it's kind of cool right you see them out in the wild it, it was it was legit animal you know lions and elephants and all that kind of stuff and then we have to head back, and it's a drive from down south by the Tanzania border up into the middle of Kenya, Eldoret by Eldoret. It's like it's supposed to be eight hours. The first two hours, again, revisiting every rock in Africa as we're leaving. And finally we hit pavement, and I'm like, oh, pavement. And so we're going, we're making good progress, beautiful country, beautiful people, like just beautiful, right? It's it's right by the equator. So it's like, if you've been to Hawaii, it's very very much like that, right? Dense jungle, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And we're coming up to the city, we're we're getting close. I think we're like an hour away from El Doret, right? And I I remember this very distinctly. On the side of the road, there was like a, a military police vehicle. And these guys are getting out, and they got riot shields and helmets. And soldiers are getting out. They got real guns. And we drive by. And I ask our driver, I'm like, hey, man, what was that all about? He goes, I don't know. And we keep going. And like 10 minutes later, we're, we're on the outside of, of this other little city coming in. And you never see on the news when there's protests in that part of the country and there's tires burning to block? Yeah, there were tires burning. And just beyond the tires burning were a whole bunch of unhappy people. And so our trucks, our, our, our Land Cruiser stops, and I could tell the driver's trying to figure it out. And, and then guys start coming around the vehicle to help, you know, I'm assuming, because I don't understand what they're saying, you know. I just do this with my door lock, you know. And I'm like, what are we going to do? And they figure it out, and my son-in-law, Zeke, he speaks the language, so he talks to the driver, and they're talking to these guys. And it turns out we have to backtrack, we have to make a U-turn, and in order to avoid that place of violence and and avoid other potential violence, we had to go turn back and make a three-hour detour. Saw more of Kenya, beautiful people, beautiful place, but that turned into an 11-hour road trip, right? And my wife's like, you're doing really good. Because there's these moments, right? Right? I got my wife. I got my, my son-in-law, my daughter. My two grandkids are in, in the vehicle with us, two and a half in four months. Right? So, I mean, what do you do with that? Burning tires. And I'm like, great surprise, you know? <laughs> and in those moments, again, what, what, what are you challenged with? Where are you going to go with your brain? Where, what are you going to do with this? Are you going to freak out? Are you going to get angry at the situation? Are you going to get overcome with fear, anxiety, worry? Or are you going to go this way vertical with the Lord? It's a choice. And this, this trip was just one constant choice after another because I was way, way out of my comfort zone. And I just want to encourage us as, as we move forward that, again, some of you might be out of your comfort zone right now. And in that, you've chosen to kind of go down a path, even mentally, emotionally, you've been, you've been fixated on the problems, on the obstacles. 
And maybe you're discouraged, maybe you're angry, maybe you're frustrated, maybe you're scared to death right now because you don't know where you're going or how it's going to turn out. And so I get that. I was two weeks just way out of my comfort zone and two weeks challenged by God. What are you going to do with this? Where are you going to put your focus? Do you really believe what you say you believe, pastor? Right? Is that just Sunday church or are you going to walk this and you're going to really embrace what you say you believe? Okay? So going back to Joshua, Joshua 3, so they're camped by there and it says this in verse 2. At the end of three days... The officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. The Ark of the Covenant is representative of God's presence. And what Joshua is saying, hey, when God moves, you move. Okay? What he's trying to do is he's trying to get their attention off of the Jordan and the raging Jordan and onto the Ark, which is God. Amen? And I think for us today, some of us need to look back at God's presence in your life. You need to take your eyes off the obstacle, and you need to focus on the ark, God's presence in your life, right? They were to stay back about 1,000 yards out of respect, but also many believed because there were so many of them, they needed to stay back so everyone could see where the ark was going because they were supposed to follow it. Right? And it's interesting in Mark 34, 434, in the, under the new covenant, look what Jesus says. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Even today, what, what's our focus? Following Jesus. We need to be followers of Jesus. And yet there's so much going on in the news, so much going on in your life, in my life, that it's easy to be distracted. Amen? It's easy to be pulled and start looking at, you know, the news and the, whatever you're watching on YouTube, da, 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 and suddenly you're not focused on the ark, you're not focused on Jesus. Again, you're focused on problems, people, circumstances, everything but, right? In Joshua 3.5, he says, Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. That word consecrate or, or sanctify means to set yourself apart. And what he's saying is, hey, Israelites, you need to get your hearts right before God. Consecrate yourselves. Set yourselves apart. Remove all the distractions, all the things that are, that are kind of coming at you right now. You need to set yourself apart for the Lord. And maybe somebody here listening today, you've been so caught up with the things of life, and God's saying, you know what? Consecrate yourself before me. Go to the beach. And just sit. Turn off all the extra noise and take a walk on shelf. Amen? Some of us, with the best of intentions, you are so wound up and you are so focused on all these good things that the Lord might be saying to you today, you know what, set yourself apart from me. Even church, this is busy, this is great and all this stuff, but this 
shouldn't just be it. Even Jesus went away in the mornings. Maybe it's time, right? Maybe, you know, you can't, it's hard. Maybe some of you commute. And maybe you don't turn on the radio on your commute. Maybe you just have a quiet time with God. And you said, you know what? I'm going to turn off all the noise. I need to just turn it all off. I need to consecrate myself. I need to set myself apart unto the Lord. So that's what he's saying. He's saying, you know what? Something's about to happen, but your hearts need to be right. You need to come back, consecrate yourself, sanctify yourself, set yourself apart. Turn off all the noise. How many of you would say, I could use a turn off the noise moment? All right. Then do it. Just do it. Whatever it takes. Go for a walk. Go for a walk. Right? And for me, in this trip, and being so out of my comfort zone, and being challenged with, you know, flying, and challenged with protests, and concerned about safety, and all this kind of stuff, and new culture, for me, the Lord, it was really like, set yourself apart, and I, I, it, was like, it was an issue of trust and faith. Do you trust me in this? You're not at home, you're not in your creature comforts, you're not, you know, you're way out into another land, and, and the Lord was like, can we just have a conversation about trust here? Jerry Bridges, in his book, Trusting God, says this. Can you trust God? The question itself has two possible meanings before we attempt to answer it. The first one is, can you trust God? In other words, is he dependable in times of adversity? It has to do with God's character. But the second meaning is also critical. Can you trust God? Do you have such a relationship with God and such a confidence in him that you believe he is with you in your adversity even though you you do not see any evidence of his presence and his power? What a powerful way to frame that question, right? That's why sometimes you might need to take a walk and go sit at the beach. Can you trust God? What do you really believe about God? His character. Is he in control? Is he sovereign? Is he all-powerful? Is he all-knowing? Is he all-present? Does he have the number of days of your life in his hand? What do you really, can you trust God, the character and nature of God? Number one. Number two, can you trust God? Are you willing to trust him with your life? Are you willing to put your life, your family, your finances, your health, are you able to trust God or are you in control? Are you holding on? And it's tough for you to even trust the God of the universe. It's a powerful moment. And that's why he says, you know, you got to get away sometimes. You got to wrestle with these. You got to wrestle with these issues sometimes. And then in Joshua 3 and 7 uh, to 13, Joshua begins to reveal to the people what's going to happen. He says, the Lord said to Joshua, okay, he has this conversation with God. Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. Okay. So then Joshua tells this to the people. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, And that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites. 
Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. He says, hey, let me give you the word of God. The word of God says that tomorrow you're going to see a miracle happen. You're going to see when the priests who are carrying the ark get their feet wet into the Jordan. Supernaturally, the waters are going to dry. They're going to be stopped. And some people looked at the city that it was stopped like 19, 20 miles upriver. Supernaturally, the waters stop. And God dries up the ground for a million people to cross. It's the word of God. He says, let me tell you, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And so if you're struggling, if you're like camped by this river and you're like, gosh, I don't really know how to do this. I don't know where to do it. My encouragement, you got to go to the word of God. You got to go to the word of God. Right? Not just to hear it, right? Because James 1 says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. You go to the word of God and you commit to do the word of God, to obey the word of God, right? And so I'm on this trip, God's stretching me, trying to spend this quiet time and being really challenged at the heart level of control and release and really, you know, all this. And these verses, I just want to share with you verses that, that really God used to, to really kind of minister to me and, and challenge me. Psalm 56, 34, 3 and 4. But when I am afraid... I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make, your path, make straight your paths. Psalm 16.8. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. These are like, there's many, many more, but these are the core verses. And on, and on you know, each morning I would, I would, Spend time with the Lord and read these. And I would consciously say, Lord, I am choosing to trust you. I choose faith today. I choose to trust you today. Wherever we go, whatever happens, in the moment, I choose trust. I choose faith. And you know what that did? That freed me from the habit and the tendency to want to control and want to be prepared for everything. 
what that did is it freed me to be in the moment and to walk by faith that God was in control 24-7, 365, right? And, and I'll tell you, it's been liberating and it's new and I'm trying, still trying to process it. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know what this really means when I get back, but okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get two weeks to kind of ingrain this in my daily walk and, and make some changes and be transformed here. But I realized the challenge with implementing and being a doer of these, these particular verses, it really challenged my control and who I really trust in my life. So I'm really honest, I was just trusting in me. A large part of my life was based on me figuring it out, me doing what I needed to do, me taking care of my family, me preventing anything bad from happening as best as I could, me avoiding danger, me avoiding situations. A whole lot of this was about trusting in me. And God's like, why don't you trust me instead? See, because that trusting in me would keep me stuck in a camp. Because when I looked at me versus a lot of obstacles in my life, there's no way. That's a dead end. I'm stuck. But suddenly with God and all these verses and me learning to trust God in the moment, suddenly the obstacles don't seem so big. And suddenly there seems to be a way through these things, right? Jerry Bridges also says this. Nothing is so small or trivial as to escape the attention of God's sovereign control. Nothing is so great as to be beyond his power to control it. No detail of your life is too insignificant for your heavenly father's attention. No circumstance is so big that he cannot control it. You believe that today? If you take those verses and you take that quote, some of you might break camp. You just might break camp this morning and get your feet wet and start the journey across your Jordan, whatever that Jordan is. Amen? It's going to take something, though. It's going to take some conviction. It's going to take some courage. It's going to take a willingness to get way out of your comfort zone, maybe. But just do like the priests. Get your feet wet. Just get your feet wet. Huh? Amen? Just be willing to dip your big toe in the water. Take the first little step of faith. Put your faith in action. Break camp and get your feet wet. And see what God's going to do in your life. Amen? Because when you cross that Jordan, you know what you're going to have? Another stone of remembrance. And you're going to go, man, I was camped for so long. And I didn't understand why. And God challenged me to break camp to put my foot in the water and he opened it he stopped it whatever he's going to do because God is faithful amen and when he takes you through this particular Jordan you're going to be more equipped for the next Jordan because there's going to be another one right it's not a one and done I mean but it's a build you cross this Jordan you get your stone of remembrance you learn about you you learn about your faith you learn about God and when you come to the next Jordan you approach it differently with greater confidence greater peace because you know God better and how do you know God better because he took you through the Jordan
That's what this walk is about. That's what this walk is about. We come to Sundays, we worship, we fellowship, we hear the word of God. But here's the deal. I know when we say ready, break, and you go out those doors, all of you represent Jordans. There's a whole lot of Jordans in this room. And my prayer is this week, you're going to cross some. You're going to cross some. And when you cross some, you're going to become more like Jesus. And when you cross some, you're going to grow and you're going to mature. And you're going to see God do things in your life that you never thought was possible. Right? And that's what I love. And then the chapter concludes where they do it. This actually happens. The priests go in. The Jordan River stops 20 miles upriver. God supernaturally dries up the ground, and a million to two million Israelites cross into the promised land. And in Joshua 4, they build the stones of remembrance, right? And what's really cool, in Joshua 3.10, it says, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out before you all those people. It was meant to be a springboard. Cross the Jordan... Experience the living God and know that you're going to have victory over all those people moving forward into the promised land. Some of you need to cross the Jordan, experience the living God in your life. Not the living God in my life that I had to walk through two weeks with right now. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to know him crossing your Jordan. He wants you to have your stone of remembrance so that the next time you are faced with the Jordan, it's your relationship with the living God. Amen? That's what we want, you know? And we love it around here when we see people step out in faith and cross the Jordans and God does something in life and they get excited, whether it's starting to serve on the worship team or, you know, Mark, you did the Mexico, right? When people go to Mexico, for many, that's a crossing the Jordan moment. Right? Financially, or leaving the country, or, you know, come overcoming fears or insecurities about crossing the border and doing that. For many of you, I know that's not easy. But you crossed the Jordan. You built a home. And how many of you were, were like radically changed because you crossed the Jordan and did that, right? Right? I think about that. I celebrate you. That wall that's in the hallway right there, okay? The mission, if you haven't seen it, go through the hallway around on this side. Those frames of the houses we built, they're stones of remembrance, but they're not just nostalgia. Those stones of remembrance of all those houses inspire me, inspire us to go build more. Amen? Mark, how much did, did um, we raise for these two house builds? 29000 dollars He budgeted that back in January. He said, "Hey, you know what God's put on my heart?" We want to do two homes in spring, right? And it's going to be 29000 And I'm like, okay. That's a lot of money. That's a crossing the Jordan moment. And then it was raised, right? More than we needed was raised. That's the living God providing, right? That should inspire us to keep doing that. That inspires inspires us, right? Because we're reminded God is alive and well in Ojai. And he still wants us as a church to keep crossing the Jordan Rivers as a church. He still wants you as his child to keep crossing the Jordan Rivers. 
so that you get to know him better. That's what this is about. That's why I love this, right? And I want to encourage you. In your walk with the Lord, if you hit turbulence, it doesn't mean you're on the wrong path. Right? We hit turbulence going both ways. It didn't mean the pilot was off. It just meant on the journey we hit turbulence. And if you hit turbulence on your journey with Jesus, keep going. Keep going. Enlist the help of others. Get prayer support around you. Get counsel. But just because you hit turbulence doesn't mean you're on the wrong path. It could mean that you're very well on the right path. Right? So questions as we, as we kind of wrap it up. Is it time for you to break camp? Have you been focused on the flooding Jordan? And God's like, you know what? I want you to trust me. I want you to get up. And I want you to put your feet in the water. What is that for you? What is that for you? Maybe you need to consecrate, sanctify yourself. Maybe God's saying, you know what? I just need you right now to get away with me. Maybe it's a full-on weekend away. Just you and God. Maybe it's just been a long time. I don't know. Maybe you can't do that. Maybe it's an hour. Maybe it's a hike. Maybe it's at the beach. I don't know. Maybe that's what he's calling you to do. I really want to encourage you. Get your feet wet. There's a time when you just got to get up. And by faith, get your feet wet. And see what God does. See what God does. So some of us here need to get up and cross the Jordan. But I was thinking about this about 40 years earlier the Israelites had crossed the Red Sea. Remember that? Because they were delivered from bondage to slavery to the Egyptians. And so maybe somebody here, if you don't know Jesus, maybe it's not crossing the Jordan. Maybe today you need to cross the Red Sea and be set free from bondage to sin and slavery today through faith in Jesus. Maybe that's your first step, right? It's amazing we had a half a day when we arrived in Dubai, so we got real adventurous and decided to take the, the subway, their metro, really nice metro from our hotel into downtown Dubai, you know, the Burj Khalifa, the world's tallest building. So we went there, and then we flew there. Talk about extremes. You go from Dubai to Nairobi and then up to 7,500 feet in the, you know, center of Kenya. Talk about, talk about two crazy polar extremes of wealth and materialism on this planet, right? And, and I put together a slide because those are pictures we took. And here's the thing, though. Here's the crazy thing. From Dubai to Kenya, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know what the great equalizer, the great unifier, that I look at that and I go, you know what? Everyone just needs a savior. Whether you're on this extreme of Dubai, wealth, comfort, luxury, all the way out to just day-to-day living on the farmlands of Kenya, the Bible says we all need Jesus. He came to seek and save the lost. Right? And so maybe... 
maybe today, it's time to cross the Red Sea and receive Jesus as your Savior. And then begin the journey with him and he'll help you cross the Jordans as they come. Romans 3 says this, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. So my encouragement today, whether you're here, whether you're at home, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, put your faith in Jesus today. Cross the Red Sea. Be free from bondage to slavery to sin. Begin a new life. Begin a new walk, right? Psalm 910 says this. And those who know your name and put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Right? Father, thank you. Thank you that stones of remembrance are not just things to be tucked away and look back at once in a while, but these stones of remembrance, these events in our life, these times when you show yourself to be so alive and so powerful and so able, able to handle anything in our life, these stones of remembrance are meant to be springboards. They're meant to propel us forward in faith. They're meant to help us grow and to become more and more like Jesus. And so, Father, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters here who maybe have been camped, been encamped by the Jordan River for a day, three days, or much longer. And they've been consumed with the obstacles facing them. I pray today that they would be inspired by you through the Holy Spirit and through your word to trust you, to put their faith in action, to get up and get their feet wet. And I pray, Father, as you supernaturally walk them across the Jordan River, whatever that is in their life, that their faith would explode, that their love for you would explode, that they would just be overwhelmed by your grace and they would be inspired to keep following you. And Father, I pray for those here this morning that that maybe don't know you, and their, their first river to cross, their first sea to cross is the Red Sea. They need to be delivered from bondage to slavery to sin, for all of us have sinned. And if you're here, you're at home, and, and you know you need a relationship with Jesus, then you can pray this. Say, dear God, thank you for sending Jesus as the Savior of the world, the Lamb of God, who takes away my sin. Dear God, in the best way I, I know how, I'm, I'm putting my faith in Jesus as my Savior and Lord this morning. I believe he died, rose from the dead, 
paid the price for my sins that I could never have paid. And so, Father, symbolically, I choose to cross the Red Sea and put my faith in Jesus and be set free from bondage to slavery and the penalty of sin. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Today, Jesus, I trust you with my life. I trust you with my eternity. I trust you as my Savior and Lord. If you guys don't know, we have our meetings before service, and Kim always, or a lot of times, will throw down a challenge for Mark, and that one was $5? Five bucks. Five bucks, and he wanted to do it also to embarrass his grandkids. How did he do? Yeah? <laughs> so, well done, Mark. You might see Marky Mark reappear here and there, so... So it's, yeah, he's coming out with a CD coming up soon, right? Coming soon. Yes, so um, I have a few announcements. The first one is a praise report from last week. If you missed it, we broke out the slip and slide. Um, Tina's in prison, but not really. They're going through a series right now, so that's part of this series. But we, had, we broke out the slip and slide, got the sprinklers going. It was just a great time to fellowship afterwards, and we will be having water days to come soon. because It's just a great time to cool down together. Um, also, today, right after service, it's, just a, it's going to be a great privilege. We're going to be doing baptisms. So there's, we're, we're doing three baptisms. One's going to be Amber, Betty's um, granddaughter. <laughs> and also, too, I know she didn't want me to talk about her, but I'm going to. Because we are, I mean, what God has done in this woman's life is just absolutely amazing. Today is her seventh year of cleaning, cleaning sober. So, <laughs> so you got me choked up too, Amber. I've been part of this family for so long, and it's just, it's just a great celebration to see that. Now she's just springboarding the further in her life, and it's just great to see her following Jesus and showing her kids and her grandkids. She's a grandma, can you believe it? Um, so what that looks like, but thank you, Amber. And also Eli and Caleb... Walker are getting baptized by their dad. So it's just a great, a great celebration of baptism. You know, baptism, you know, it's not a thing of salvation, but it is a command from Jesus. And we want to be following Jesus because Jesus got baptized by John the Baptist. It's just a way to follow Jesus and just commit and really just let people know how your faith is and how you want to walk with Jesus. So come and join us immediately after the spa is at 90 degrees, so it's not going to be cold at all. Sorry if it's too warm for you. But then um, today at 2 o'clock, to skip to the next one, we're going to Triple C, which is the Continuing Care Center, at 2 o'clock. Uh, we'll probably meet out in the front about 145. If you don't know where it's at, it's behind Ojai Hospital. It's their new facility, and if you haven't been there, it's really, really nice. And this is a great way to celebrate um, with them because it, it's their church coming in. And they also... Um, they watch us every Sunday. So right now, hi, Triple C. They can see us because they, they stream us. So, But we were going to do a, um, a little worship there, and I got convinced that I had rhythm, so I'm going to actually be on that, what's it called, the cajon? The box, and Richie's going to be playing the guitar. So if you just want a good laugh, just come and just watch us. But it's also just a great way to love on people and stuff. It's just going to be a, a great afternoon there. And it's at 2 o'clock, but we're meeting at 1.45. So, Christine, are you doing the? You're doing it. Okay. Thank you, Christine. <laughs> Hi. I'm No, I'm not doing it. 
I'm not going there. You know, the rap I can handle, barely. Um, so just a few other reminders. Uh, there is a woman's card-making workshop coming up on the 12th of August. Um, you can see the information on the screen. Uh, you're signed up when you pay. Christine is going to be at the welcome cart after the service today with the sign-up sheet. If you haven't had a chance to sign up and you'd like to go, you can see Christine after service. Um, the next announcement is just that youth events are on hold temporarily, and I think we all know why. Shiloh is about to pop, and uh, Jordan's just kind of uh, focused on the right things, which is his wife and his daughter, whose name is... Oh, okay. I, I keep trying. I, I'm trying to find out what that is, but it, it's not working. Uh, but so, yeah, youth events just for the time being are going to be on hold. You'll hear more about that as, uh, as that unfolds. And lastly, uh, there's going to be a memorial for our sister, Sharon One, and that is going to be on August 5th here at 2 p.m. And we certainly invite all of you uh, who knew Sharon and Alan and uh, come and celebrate her life.